0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, March 30th and by the end of today, Gonzaga could be heading to their second Final Four in school history. I'm your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. This episode today is going to be all about the USC matchup tonight. Uh, I expect it to be a little bit more comprehensive than what it ended up being. I had some, uh, We had some issues with our our little puppy today. Uh, we had to take him to the hospital this morning. Uh, he was up all night long I'm working today on about an hour of sleep, so he's gonna be okay. Uh, he had to spend the night in the hospital. We should be able to pick him up on Tuesday morning, but if I don't have as much energy as I should, don't worry, I am very, very amped for this game. I just may not come across because I'm working on an hour of sleep. So, let's get to the news and notes. First two Final Four participants have been decided. It's gonna be an All-Texas matchup on the right side of the bracket. Oregon State's run came to an end at the hands of Houston. Kelvin Sampson's team is getting back to the final four for the first time since 1984. And then Baylor, number one seeded Baylor heading back to the final four for the first time since 1950. Rem Backimus, obviously one of their, uh, on their coaching staff. And then, uh, John Jacobs as well. Uh, both of those guys were with Gonzaga in 2017 when they made the national championship. So they are back in the final four. Um, both of those, those two games were actually pretty similar. The, uh, Houston, Oregon State, and and Baylor, Arkansas, Uh, the two favorites got out to pretty sizable leads, and then the underdogs kind of fought back, uh, made it a game late, and then uh, Baylor and Houston kind of hit the shots and got the stops that they needed to, so it will be a one versus two on the right side of the bracket, and then obviously two more teams are going to join them tonight. San Diego Toreros continue to be active in the transfer market. Today they picked up Jace Townsend, a 6'3 guard from Denver University. He averaged 16 points a game last season and 19 points a game this season. He joins Bryce Monroe, who's a transfer guard from Sam Houston State, and Terrell Brown, who's a forward from Pittsburgh. So Sam Schull squad looking to kind of jump up in the standings next year. We had some zag-on-zag action in the NBA tonight. The uh, Washington Wizards took on the Indiana Pacers. The Wizards beat them 132-124. to Rui Hachimura. In the win, at 26 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. And in the loss, Devonta Sabonis had 35 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. After the game, they did a pretty cool jersey exchange. Um, you can go onto the Locked On Zags Twitter account and you can see the picture um, from that, which is pretty cool. And that wasn't the only game where we had two Gonzaga players going against each other. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Houston Rockets 120 to 110. Brandon Clark had 7 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Uh, for the win uh, for Memphis. And then Kelly Olynyk. It was his home debut for his new team in Houston after he had trade, traded there in the trade deadline. He had 25 points and 9 rebounds, so a nice performance from him. Uh, he's he's pretty much their best player. Um, they've gone through a lot with the loss of James Harden and, and a whole bunch of other stuff that's been going on in that franchise. So Kelly Olynyk's going to have a chance to ball out for them. And finally, something kind of silly. Um, the uh, president for Creighton, Reverend... Daniel Hendrickson bet with uh, Dr. Thing McCullough at Gonzaga. Um, they made a little bet on the Sweet 16 game, and obviously Gonzaga won. So um, Creighton's president is going to be sending Gonzaga some Omaha steaks, um, and then some stuff will go to a, a local food bank as well. So kind of a, a cool thing there, and I just wanted to shout out the Jesuits. All right, the rest of the show we're going to be previewing USC. We'll break down the Trojans on both sides of the ball and why they could give Gonzaga some trouble. Obviously we know about the Mobley brothers, but to me, they are not the keys to this game. Stay tuned to find out who the real X-Factors are. First, a minute to talk about RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do yourselfers RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write LOCKED ON in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, let's talk about the big game tonight. Gonzaga 29-0, undefeated, number one team in the country, number one team in Ken Palm. USC 25-7, number six team in Ken Palm. And just some general stuff to start out here. It's the fourth Elite Eight in six years for Gonzaga. This is the fourth Elite Eight in school history for USC. Gonzaga now has the most tournament victories since 2015 of any program in America with 18 wins. USC has not made a Final Four since 1954. Gonzaga and USC have not faced each other a single time in the Mark Few era. They were actually scheduled to face each other in the non-conference this year, uh, but obviously the pandemic kind of altered everybody's schedules. So what better time to reschedule that non-conference game than with the trip to the Final Four on the line? Um, Gonzaga and USC, they've been the two most dominant teams in the tournament so far. Uh, USC's three wins— have been by a combined 64 points, and that is the second, lar- second largest margin of any sixth seed or worse in NCAA tournament history. USC's starting five has three different transfers in it. Tajidi, who you obviously probably remember from Santa Clara, uh, Drew Peterson is from Rice, and Isaiah White is from Utah Valley. So um, they struggled a little bit to start the season, but as the season went on, obviously those guys have gotten some Uh, more consistency with each other, and now they're peaking at the right time. The Athletic wrote an article, and I found it uh, interesting enough that I wanted to quote it. Uh, They talked to Mark Pope, the BYU coach, uh, talking—it was a preview for the Gonzaga-USC game, and they just wanted to get Mark Pope's thoughts on Gonzaga. And I thought that this was a pretty good primer um, for today's preview that I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to quote the article. Um, And it's got uh, a little bit of Mark uh, Mark Pope quotations in it as well. So here's the article. As Pope notes, Gonzaga doesn't appear to be a physical team until you take the floor and realize it's an extremely physical group. Quote, if you can't answer them 10 feet and in, whether that be in transition or in the post or in penetration and cuts, you don't have a chance to play in the game. Like you're not even going to be welcome to join the game. If you can manage them within 10 feet, then at least you're welcome. You have to check that box if you want a chance to win. You just have to, end quote. Lucky for USC, they have the ability to check that box. They have the best two-point defense in the nation this season. Teams are shooting just 41.5% inside the arc, um, and Gonzaga, on the other side of the ball, has the best two-point offense in the history of the sport at 63.9%, and they just shot 76% inside the arc against Creighton, so if you want not just inside the arc but if you want at the rim and get a little bit more specific uh, gonzaga is shooting 48 and percent of all of their shot attempts at the rim this season which is just absolutely absurd and even more absurd is that they're shooting 72 and percent on those shots nobody in the history of college basketball has shot a better percentage on that kind of volume at the rim in college basketball history and on the flip side Against USC's defense, opponents are only shooting 29.8% of their shots at the rim. So less than 30% of their shots uh, for USC opponents come at the rim, as opposed to nearly 50% of all Gonzaga attempts. And uh, Gonzaga, like I said, shooting 72.5% on those shots, but going against USC's defense, USC's defense allows only 51% on shot attempts at the rim. So it's a battle of strengths. Um, and I went back to see. If any tournament game has ever happened where the top two-point offense faced the top two-point defense, the answer is no. But there have been two games in the last decade where it came very, very close to that. So, 2019 was one of them, um, and it included Gonzaga. Unfortunately, they were the number one two-point offense at the time. Texas Tech was the number three two-point defense at the time, and as you, of course, remember, Texas Tech won that game 75 to 60, 75 to 69. In the Elite Eight, four years earlier, also in the Elite Eight, uh, Notre Dame—they were the number one two-point offense—and they took on Kentucky, who was the two-point number two two-point defense. And Kentucky won that game 68 to 66. So the two-point defenses beat out the number one two-point offenses in both of those games. So Gonzaga is going to be looking to buck that trend, and you know maybe third time is the charm with the uh, number one two-point offense here. But they're gonna to have to deal with just some length and some size that they just have not seen all season long. Uh, USC starting lineup goes six foot two, six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot ten, seven feet. And it's gonna be fascinating for me to see how USC chooses to defend Gonzaga. So a lot of people have been talking about their zone um, over the last 24, 48 hours now. But they only zoned 15% of the time during the regular season. The reason they went to it against Oregon is because the Ducks scored points in the first 10 minutes of that game against USC's man-to-man. They really just couldn't control uh, those guys off the bounce. So the question to me is, can they handle Gonzaga in man-to-man? Or is it going to kind of be the same thing against Oregon where Gonzaga's getting to the rim at will and, and doing what they want against man-to-man and they're going to force to kind of default into that zone? So... I think you know having one of the Mobleys trying to guard Corey Kispert and chasing him around the perimeter of the entire game is probably not ideal for them. Um, I think Tajidi and Ethan Anderson. I don't think this. I know this. Tajidi and Ethan Anderson are undersized against uh, both Andrew Nemhard and Jalen Suggs. And you saw Andrew Nemhard against Creighton uh, post up some smaller players in that game, and it could very easily do the same thing uh, in this game as well. So. If they do go zone, which I imagine they will at some point during the game, they may not run it for 30 minutes like they did against Oregon, but at some point they're going to run zone. Uh, the Zags are going to have to hit some perimeter shots. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that uh, Andrew Nemhardt and Joel Ayai have become more reliable three-point shooters, uh, but they're going to need those two guys, and they're going to need Jalen Suggs to break out of his slump, and they're going to need all three of them to hit some jumpers to complement Corey Kispert, who I don't think anybody is necessarily worried about. Between Jalen Suggs' quickness and size advantage against the guards that are probably going to be guarding him and the fact that he's been so cold from deep and it seems like he's probably due to break out, it's just a hunch for me, but this game screams like it's going to be a Jalen Suggs game. Plus, he's going against, I mean, he's not necessarily going one-on-one with Evan Mobley, but he's in the same game as Evan Mobley. Those two guys are both in the top five, maybe even in the top three. Of the NBA draft, so this just seems like it's a game where Jalen Suggs kind of just balls out. Gonzaga hasn't really seen much zone this season. Um, Iowa ran it a little bit uh, when they played in December. They ran it in the first half for five possessions, and uh, Gonzaga went four for five from the field with a couple three pointers, and Iowa never went back to it again. Uh, Norfolk State ran kind of a junk zone defense. They they. Uh, Mixed up some defenses a little bit in the first round game But uh, San Francisco Kind of did the same thing but there's nothing that They've seen this year that's going to replicate What USC is going to run in their zone Like their their bottom line with Peterson and the two Mobleys is 6'8", 6'10", And 7 feet like they can go sideline To sideline with their wingspans Um, And so It's going to be very very difficult to generate A whole lot of great looks inside I imagine they're probably Going to have Joella B that kind of high post um, playmaker spot there in the zone, Uh, but again, if they're not getting a whole lot of uh, inside, if they're not generating a whole lot of stuff inside, they're going to have to hit some perimeter jumpers to, uh, to get them out of this. One of the best ways to beat a zone, which works to Gonzaga's advantage, is to beat it down the floor altogether, and USC has not faced a team with this kind of speed and this kind of pace all season long, and it is really 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 hard to prep for if you haven't seen it or experienced it especially on 24 hours notice and um, uh, Andy Enfield the the USC coach was talking about how they got the late game on uh, Sunday night and then they had the first early morning practice on Monday and they hadn't really even gotten into the film work yet so it'll be interesting to see how USC has been preparing uh, over the last 24 hours and then um, that defense that USC has, this is kind of an interesting fact here. So uh, they force a lot of bad shots, contested shots, all that, but they don't turn the ball over. Like, they don't force turnovers really at all. Like, they're in the bottom quarter of all, you know, turnover percentage in the country. So if Gonzaga takes care of the ball, they're going to get shots and knowing Gonzaga's offense, they're probably going to get decent looks. Like they may struggle in the first few minutes trying to adjust to size. But like at some point, if they're not turning the ball over. They're going to get good looks. So I think that's going to be um, something to watch is Gonzaga's turnovers and if USC uh, can force more than what they are accustomed to. And then the other thing is uh, when they do run that zone, they're they're – like most zone teams, where they're kind of an average defensive rebounding team. So if Gonzaga takes care of the ball and they attack the glass against that zone, they should be able to get some extra buckets in this game. All right, so that's the USC defensive side of the ball. We're going to finish the show talking about USC's offense because, to me, this is where the game is going to be won or lost for the Trojans. Their guards are the X-Factors in this game, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But first, if you want to bet on the Elite 8 action tonight, BetOnline.HD is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. College basketball, the NBA, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness and we are in the final four. Today's matchup is an absolute doozy. It is Cookies and Cream against Cookie Dough Chunk. What a matchup. To me, this just screams triple overtime thriller, but I'm going to go ahead and take Cookies and Cream on a triple overtime buzzer beater to beat out Cookie Dough Chunk. Go to BuiltBar.com or to Bar underscore Built on Twitter Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become best tasting protein bar. Our Locked On College Basketball experts are recapping each weekend of March Madness on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch Live on Monday nights at Locked On Live. If you missed this weekend's recap, follow Locked On SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, or Big 12 today and check their feed. Okay, so I don't care how good USC's defense is, Gonzaga is going to score 75 points in this game. Like, it feels impossible for them not to get to that number against basically any team in the country. So I'm going to go ahead and just use that as a baseline. Obviously, Gonzaga can score 90. Like, they can score 90 even on the best defense in the world at the college level. Um, But we'll use 75 for this. So USC is probably going to have to get close to 80 or more than 80 to win this game. They did that against Kansas, and they did that against Oregon. But it wasn't because of Evan Mobley. And you can talk about the Evan Mobley and Drew Timmy matchup all you want. Of course, Drew Timmy has to stay out of foul trouble in this game. Uh, It's possible that they use more... Two big lineups with Watson and Timmy together to kind of counteract some of the size uh, of the Mobley brothers. But this game to me is going to be won or it's going to be lost by the USC guards. The reason they've been so good in these last two games and beat up Kansas and they beat up Oregon is because their role players have just been abnormally hot from three-point range. Coming into the tournament, USC hit double-digit threes just three times all the regular season. They just did it in back-to-back games against Kansas and Oregon. And they went a combined just an absurd 21 for 35 Isaiah White hit 17 threes in his first 29 games of this season which is what, almost a little over half a three per game he's seven for nine in the last two games against Kansas and Oregon Hit 17 threes his first 29 games he just hit seven for nine in his last two games so that is uh, him going out of his mind Isaiah Mobley he had a career-high four threes against Kansas Drew Peterson, four for five from deep in the tournament. Basically, they're shooting out of their minds. So the question really to me is can they do it for a third straight game or will they hit the inevitable regression game? Gonzaga is going to have to limit those guys and not let them uh, get hot from the arc, especially at the start of the contest. Like, If USC is hitting a few shots to start the game, like, this could be interesting really, really quick. If they're cold from the start of the game, I think Gonzaga fans should, should feel pretty good about how the game is going to go. I think another minor thing to watch um, is that they're playing at Lucas Oil Stadium. I know that they're splitting the courts so it's not just one huge one court inside of a huge stadium, but the stadium is still um, large and the depth perception is still slightly different than it would be at Hinkle Fieldhouse or Banker's Life, so... Uh, It could have a small impact on shooting. For me, this is the simplistic view of this game. Evan Mobley might be able to score 25 on a given night, but if his supporting cast isn't hitting threes, they are not going to win this game. And if they hit double-digit threes for a third straight game, something USC has not done in four years, then this game is probably going to come down to the final seconds. If they don't do that, then I really like Gonzaga's chances to get to their second final four in school history. This is the other thing. I mentioned this in a a a regional preview article that I wrote that came out after Selection Sunday. People love, analysts love doing this. I mean, fans love doing this. Everybody likes to try and find the worst possible matchup for Gonzaga. Let's not forget that Gonzaga is the worst possible matchup for every team in the nation. Like they are the nightmare to prepare for, not the other way around. Prepping for this Gonzaga team on one day notice is a near impossible task. So with a trip to the final four on the line and one day of prep, even if it wasn't just you know the, the best team in the country, if this is just a generic game between you know Houston and Oregon State, say whatever, I always tend to favor the more experienced coaching staff and the better overall team. Luckily, Gonzaga has both. I'm sure there's butterflies already flowing in your stomach. I don't blame you. It's going to be a fun night with a little luck. Maybe they'll wrap it up early like they did against Xavier in 2017. But maybe it'll be like the West Virginia game in 2017 and we'll all lose a bunch of hair. We're going to find out. Tip off 415 on TBS, not CBS. Make sure you have the right channel tonight. It's TBS, not CBS, 415 tip off. Kevin Harlan will be on the call. And we will be back here tomorrow to discuss all of it Will Gonzaga suffer an upset loss, or will they return to the Final Four, be thirty and zero, and be two games away from perfection and history? We'll find out. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to Locked On Zags wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel like it, feel free to leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at s k a r r g zero, and you can follow the podcast at Locked On Zags. Enjoy the game tonight as much as you possibly can, and always remember, it's a great day to be a Zag.